Um, my mom just got her snow tires off. Mm. I didn't know your mom had wheels. <laughs> <laughs> My notes for this one yeah. are kind of rough. Okay. Like, not they're not, like, I don't know. Like, I researched it. I spent a lot of time researching it. But, like, it's a little bit elusive. Mine, too. Because I had trouble finding hard science mm. behind it. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. I mean, we don't have to present it as a hard science true welcome like, to Mikyo. this is not a hard <laughs> science how about we start by saying which one is our favorite oh, okay i didn't look that closely at them i read a lot about them but i didn't really don't look close uh, just make a gut okay. a gut feeling i kind of like number four mm. also number nine which one's your favorite mm. I like number one. Because mm, to mm-hmm. me, you see it, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know why I like number one. Because <laughs> uh, it looks like two Dobermans? To me, they look like pigs. Oh, like, interesting. Like Olivia-style pigs. Oh, okay. Like, you remember Olivia? The I do, yeah. I... <laughs> Number seven, all number seven, like I, everything I was reading, they were like, oh, some people see it as faces and all this stuff. I was like, no. all I see is two thumbs up. <laughs> yes. All I could think, like, I, all I could think of looking at it was like sausage links. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I don't know why, just the segmented nature of it. Yeah. Um, Let's just go down the line, I think. Uh. Okay. Number one is number one. two Dobermans. Pigs. Pigs, for sure. Okay. Uh, number two is the Apocalypse Now movie poster. Mm. I see two Oompa Loompas high-fiving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But but both of them have their legs cut off, so. Cool. That's their bleeding. Cool. Uh, what's the blood at the top? Oh, that's just a hat. A bloody hat. Okay. Um, From their enemies. They're high-fiving because they defeated their enemies and then they wrapped their enemies' shirts around their heads. Okay. Um, Number three. What do you see? I see see a bow tie in the middle Mm -hmm. and then two people washing something in a pot or cooking. Yeah. Um, That or like a face. And also, like, squirrels hanging from the ceiling. Oh, okay. I don't see that. (laughs) Bloody squirrels. Bloody squirrels. So, this is Meet Cute. A show where we talk about all the places art and science intersect. I'm Lauren, and I first referred to them as the Dvorak test. You did. Um... 
I'm Lee, that and I think that I made the great joke uh, kink blot test on our uh, episode <laughs> title list. Yes. So, kink blot test. You're welcome. Uh, so, today we're talking about Rorschach's ink blot test. Yes. Exciting. And that's our Ro- show. <laughs> Is there a Rorschach test for words? Um. I don't even know how to answer that. Uh, do you want to go first? <laughs> or do you want me to go first? You want to go first? Sure. So the Rorschach okay. test uh, is named for... Oh, no. I got it. I got it. Can uh-huh. Hold on real quick. A Rorschach test for words is like... Have you heard of a thing where there's like a voice and it says Laurel Oh, uh, it yes. says Yanni. Yeah. Like that. That would be a Rorschach test for words. Okay, uh, sorry, kind of. Um, but that one is binary. So. Yeah. No. True. Um, good try, no. though. Maybe next week. Yeah. So the Rorschach test uh, or the inkblot test or Rorschach's inkblot test. Like it's referred to as all of those things everywhere. Uh, that I found was named for a guy named Herman Rorschach. Uh, he was a Swiss psychiatrist uh, alive at the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the early 20th century. Uh, he passed away in 1922 at the ripe young age of, let me do some math real quick, 14. Mm-hmm. The ripe old age of 38. So... I didn't really do a lot of background on him. Um, his nickname in high school uh, was Klex because that's how into Klexography he was. Um, which Klexography, I, I've seen it. Yeah, honestly. I've seen it both in this particular context. I've seen it referred to that he was just really into making ink blots, mm-hmm. but also that he was really into a game called Blotto. Um, and also clexography, like it was referred to as both of those things mm-hmm. where you would make up poems or perform like charades based on what you saw in an ink blot, oh, which I guess is what people did before the internet. <laughs> um, after high school, he wasn't sure if he wanted to go into art or science. And so he wrote uh, to a famous scientist at the time who told him uh, to go into science. Surprise. Um but he kind of came back to this whole ink blot thing not too mm-hmm. long after um and was kind of like hey this might be a way that we can kind of psychoanalyze people and like you know this whole like this game of clexography of blotto this might be a way that we can kind of look at the way that people interact with the world and interpret randomness in the world which I, he's not wrong on that. I think that, um, I don't know. Uh, it was the 20s. <laughs> Psychology was Roaring. not a science at no, that point at no, all. Um, sure. He did spend four years like researching this idea. And by researching, he was, he, he was performing trials. Like he was just trying out different things and seeing what worked. And he came out with a standardized system of 10 ink blots, five in color and five in black and white. I read a little bit of his text, Psychodiagnostic, which mm-hmm. is basically the published findings of these four years of research. Um, 
And basically, this is all somewhat paraphrased from Psychodiagnostic. Mm -hmm. Um, He chose these particular inkblots. All of the inkblots that he used were accidental, like nonspecific forms. And the results of the test are based on the interpretation of accidental forms. Um, And he actually... Mm -hmm. (laughs) when, When you purchased his text... A copy of those inkblots would come along with it for you to <laughs> perform these tests yourself as a yeah. psychiatrist or just whoever bought it, I guess, which mm-hmm. I don't know who else would at that point. But the way that he would do these, it's inkblots. Like, it's literally just inkblots. Um, a few large inkblots are thrown on a piece of paper, the paper folded, and the ink spread between the two halves of the sheet. Not all figures so obtained can be used, for those used must fulfill certain conditions. And those conditions he doesn't really go into. Mm-hmm. He talks about they must be relatively simple because complicated pictures make the computations of the factors of the experiment too difficult. <laughs> Not a lot of proofreaders in 1920. Um they must fulfill certain requirements of composition or they will not be suggestive, which I can't parse. I couldn't figure out what he means by that. I couldn't find any other reference to what those requirements were or what it meant that they needed to be suggestive. Like, I have no idea aside from like the obvious, but like I, I didn't see it written Mm -hmm. out anywhere. So I don't know. That's really interesting from like the science end of administering these tests because they're supposed Mm -hmm. to be open-ended, right? So, like, introducing the term suggestive into a scientific study implies that you want the subject to elicit a certain response to the inkblots. Yeah. So, that's that's a really interesting note. And I think that's where some of the, like, people's issues with Rorschach tests come from. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the, like, that's one of the biggest things is that there was a right answer to these right like there was and it wasn't Mm -hmm. that there was a it was it wasn't that it was that cut and dry and like imagination did come into play but when uh what he referred to as normal people and what we would now refer to more likely as neurotypical people Mm -hmm. looked at these images they would generally elicit sort of a similar response Mm -hmm. and psychodiagnostics is online like you can find there's a pdf of it that you can find online Mm. um and i'm not going to go into all of the terrible ways that he categorized people on this yes um but his biggest sample size was schizophrenic patients Mm -hmm. 105 male 83 female and that was the biggest sample size that he had for these four years Mm. of research you know was not even 200 people So one of the main things that he does kind of specify about these is that the figures need to be symmetrical, Mm -hmm. which they all pretty much are. And he says that asymmetrical figures are rejected by many subjects. I don't really know what that means. Again, he doesn't really explain. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of interpretations that you can have of the language that he's using. So the two things that I thought were interesting about the symmetry, Mm -hmm. um, he points out that one of the disadvantages is that it tends to make the answer somewhat stereotyped, mm-hmm. you know, because it's always going to be two of something or it's always going to be something symmetrical like a butterfly, like a face, um, things mm-hmm. like that. But 
he also mentions that symmetry makes conditions the same for right and left-handed subjects. Mm. And and again, he didn't say in there whether he did tests with asymmetrical right. uh, ink blots on left and right-handed people and whether the results were any different. I And I also, I didn't read all, there's like 200 pages in this. I didn't mm-hmm. read all of them. That would be a really compelling study to do i think yeah be really interesting no like and that's the thing is a lot of it i was like this would be really interesting if you would just go into like what you're talking about and what you mean by you know like what are the composition requirements for these like what what about the composition you know like Mm -hmm. why I, i i don't know uh, the other thing he said about symmetry was um, that it makes possible the interpretation of whole scenes, which I thought, again, like it's that's vague, but like it's an interesting thought. And the thing is, too, he died two years after these findings were published. So there's no way for him to elaborate on any of these things that he really failed to elaborate on mm-hmm. in his work. Um, he also uh, kind of famously looks a lot like brad pitt yeah i don't know if you came across that he looks a lot like a modern man yeah i think it's the hair the way the hair is styled in this like one picture of him yeah yeah no it's very it's it's odd to me i mean like it's not like uncanny but i'm like i i that was the first thing that i thought when i saw him um that was the first connection that i made And (laughs) it seems to be an interpretation that's shared by a lot of other people. Interesting. Yeah. He is his own Rorschach test. Mm Mm-hmm. Aren't we all? Um, (laughs) Something that I stumbled upon randomly was this piece of art by Andy Warhol. And it's titled Mm. Rorschach. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a giant, it's like, what does it say? 13 feet tall giant okay. ink blot basically yeah from yeah. him so Very there's cool. it's, um, in, it's interesting like all the influence that it's had in right modern design yeah. and culture i i also saw um fractals mentioned mm-hmm. on and off i saw i saw that mentioned and i saw um i saw jackson pollock mentioned quite mm-hmm. a lot as well um kind of in my travels but i never i didn't really go down those roads because i was so so focused so laser focused on (laughs) finding out why he yeah like what what this what his whole deal was with these um these particular ink blots and it turns out that uh it was a it's it's a process that has been lost to time how he figured Mm -hmm. out that these were the ones to use but i did my best if I'm not on the show next week, it's because I've been arrested for breaking down Brad Pitt's door and trying to get him to tell me the secrets. Um, Why did you make these? Yeah. Why did you make them like this? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm so mad. Because I'm like, that. that's so... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's so interesting. I know. Like, why, why is this a good metric by which to judge someone's psychological state, you right. know? Right, right, right. Like, why, what is, what about this? What about these 10 particular images and 
there's just nothing concrete that he has written down. Right. So that's that's kind of where I started my research journey. Mm-hmm. Was like it's such a it's such a subjective thing. It's such a qualitative thing for me to look at something and say that looks like a pig, but then how do you quantify that? Yeah. Into science, into actual numbers and data. Yeah. So what I found was like originally the results were not based on the content of the responses, but rather on predetermined factors present on each card. Okay. So there are things like form, color, location, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like if you notice the pink first, what does that mean? Or like if you notice the center first as opposed to like the outer edges what does that mean? right yeah um so that's kind of where it started with interpreting the responses um so here's this is just a quote administrators score the response w if the whole ink blot was used to answer the question d if a commonly described part of the blot was used big d little d <laughs> what begins with d I think that some of this is directly from psychodiagnostic, too. I think that, I mean, I didn't read all of the, Probably. like, clinical process mm-hmm. of this, because um, I was more Big interested D, in D, if the other an, side of it. If an but. uncommonly described or unusual detail is used. Oh, okay. S, if the white space in the background was used. So, like, a negative rather than a positive. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then it just said, a score of W is typically associated with the subject's motivation to interact with his or her surrounding environment. D is interpreted as one having efficient or adequate functioning. High frequency of responses coded big D, little d indicate some maladjustment within the individual. Responses Mm. coded S indicate an oppositional or uncooperative test subject. So even that, like, that's flawed. Right, yeah, because it's kind of like saying if you see something unusual, mm-hmm. or like if you see something that other people don't see, then there's something wrong with you. There's something maladjusted right. with you. Yeah, um, and also that you're like that you're not behaving in the way that you're supposed to be. Right, right. Which Especially is with not how space. psychiatry yeah. works. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that is definitely flawed, but it kind of hints at using these determinants rather than using the content to -hmm. describe people's brains because content can be flawed because people can filter it out or like you can be like oh i see this thing but i think they want me to say i i see this thing right yeah and also there's infinite interpretations right with that too yeah exactly um so in 1969 Nice. Nice. Um, the, exor- ex- the Exorcist. <laughs> the ex- <laughs> Podcasting is so hard. So in 1969. Nice. Nice. The Exner scoring system was developed by Dr. John Exner as a standard method for interpreting these tests uh, because at the time there were at least five different methods of interpretations. And many of these interpretations were subjective and biased by the psychologists themselves. You know, and I was reading, I was starting to think of it kind of as encryption. So, like, Rorschach himself had this code, like a message he wanted to portray, and he encoded it into these tests. 
And then you as a subject are trying to decode the messages and then formulate your own response of what you think the message is. Okay. Yeah. So like that kind of lost in translation kind of thing. It's It's got like encoding and then decoding out of this. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but as it turns out, uh, he didn't have a message that he, he didn't. put there. He didn't. He was he just, just like, <laughs> these are good, I guess. These are good, I guess. Here's Thanks one. for buying my book. Here's 10 pictures. <laughs> um, so this Exner scoring system is also known as a Rorschach comprehensive system. And mm. it shows a statistically high inter-rater reliability, which basically just describes how much consensus there is amongst the raters and, and the users of the system okay, yeah. in terms of interpretation. Mm. And it, it places emphasis on the cognitive triad. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. One, <laughs> the information processing, which is how the subject processes the inputs from the cards. Two, cognitive mediation, which is how the that information is... I guess, decoded, transformed, Mm -hmm. and then identified by the subject. And then ideation, which is how that information is formed into an idea and then communicated. Okay. I'm not really sure how that's quantified. Yeah. So so moving on. Yeah. (laughs) That's how Herman Rorschach wrote his whole paper. So (laughs) he's like, here's this thing. Moving on. Not sure how to do that. Next. Next. And then the scores of each category were used to calculate a structural summary of the test data, which was then used to link to existing research regarding personality traits. Okay. So I'm assuming that, like, if I had a score of 10, and they're like, oh, Lee also has a score of 10, and Lee is known to be blonde... Uh-huh. Lauren must also be blonde. So that That's good. Thing. That's science yeah. right there. Yeah. Certified organic science. Certified organic. And then, <laughs> way after Exner's death, this... Nice. Um, people, so the saga continues. The saga continues. The another posthumous man, saga continues. <laughs> another man has died. Good. And people on the Rorschach Research Council believed that his scoring R-R-C. system his scoring system needed an update mm. um but exner's estate wouldn't allow them to touch it so they created, so why didn't they just uh, i was gonna say why didn't they just make their own they created their own it's called the performance assessment system or rorschach performance assessment center mm-hmm. system um and i went to their website and i wrote down their website feels like a Rorschach test. <laughs> it's not great. Uh, what is it? What's their URL? It's r-pas.org. Okay. Oh. Um, Welcome to my Rorschach test. Yeah. What? <laughs> That's what I was saying. Uh, but it did note that it's in 31 different languages, so they are obviously trying to have the science have a wide reach and make right. it accessible to people so that's good yeah um what is the what is their updated system where are you reading that 
oh, oh. I, I had hoped that you had read oh, it. Oh, oh. I thought you were talking about their updated online system. No, no. Their, their updated scoring system is what we're talking about. Yes. Yes. So th- their updated system focused more on making it easier and up to date than Exner's system. Mm-hmm. So it focused on variables that were supported by the literature. So they didn't add any new variables. Um, and I think those variables are those determinants like location, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. They didn't add any new ones, but they reviewed the old ones and got rid of some that weren't supported by the science. Okay. I, I did read that his, the ink blots did come into the public domain kind of recently. Well, kind of recently. Oh. Um, interesting. And that caused a stir because some psychologists were like, oh, this is going to ruin studies that we're going to do because people are going to be exposed to them before we do the studies. Um, yeah. So, like, if you and I went to I, take I a Rorschach that, test, yeah. like... We've already seen them. We've already seen yeah. them, so we're um, for answers. Yeah. So, this new system also included a scoring update that included percentiles and standard scores of responses and of subjects. So, they yeah. try to introduce a little bit of statistics into it and it also provided a system to interpret how the subjects behave during the tests which i thought was really interesting like how they okay you know respond physically emotionally to taking a test like this Mm -hmm. so that's kind of interesting yeah and probably the most interesting is that they recognized that scoring on many of the variables differed across countries and across cultures. So they, I'll read this quote. Therefore, starting in 1997, Rorschach protocols from researchers around the world were compiled. After compiling protocols for over a decade, a total of 15 adult samples were used to provide a normative basis for the RPAS. The protocols represent data gathered in the United States, Europe, Israel, Argentina, and Brazil. So like, so not just not Africa and basically Asia. or so Asia. It's not the whole yeah. world, but at least it's not something yeah. that's just United States specific or um it's still right. kind of yeah, is western centric, but Yeah, but that is something that would differ that it makes sense that that's something that would mm-hmm, differ mm-hmm. across different cultural and backgrounds. I guess I would make the argument too that it differs across time boundaries as well, like interpretations yeah and cultures change from 1920 to now almost 100 Mm. years later yeah so yeah so some interesting statistics i also found was that the tests are almost Mm. exclusively used by psychologists which makes sense um forensic psychologists use it 36 percent of the time i don't know why um in custody Mm. cases 23% of psychologists use it on children, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, 124 out of 161, which is 77% of clinical psychologists um, use it during assessment work. Um, But another survey found that only 44% of them use it. So, Uh, flawed. Wow. Some of them use it. And 80% of graduate programs teach its use. Oh, wow. That's high. high. Yeah. So it's definitely prevalent and it's definitely right. still taught. Yeah. 
Um, this is a surprisingly very informative podcast. Not I know. very funny. Yeah, this one's nah, not so very that's funny. Gonna do it for us today here at Meet Cute Studios, mm, Meet Cute Industries LLC, Meet Cute Industries Lauren Lee Company LLC. It's been a pleasure and an honor guiding you mm-hmm. through this spiritual Rorschach journey today. Yeah. Uh, we would like to say thank you to Herman Rorschach for absolutely nothing. Uh, thank you to She's a Spy <laughs> for letting us use their exceptional music uh, for the intro and outro of our program. Uh, I love it, and you should too, and you can find it on Spotify if that's your thing, which it should be. You can find us online at meetcutist.com and also on Twitter at meetcutist. And yeah, if you enjoyed the time that you spent with us today, uh, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Um, You can leave us a review or a rating on iTunes too, if that's what you're into. I guess that matters. I don't know. Only if it's good. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. You can take Um, your negative ratings and put them right in the trash. You can take your negative ratings and apply them directly to Herman Rorschach. Yes. Rate, uh, review, and subscribe. Don't subscribe to him. Rate, review. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's dead. He's not putting any new content out there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I'll subscribe. put it this it's way. A waste of time. Uh, I'll put it this way. I have no idea if you've subscribed to us on iTunes. iTunes doesn't offer that service. Uh, but I do know if you've uh, rated and reviewed the show. That is some. That is a concrete way that you can show your support for what we do here. Uh, which is really life-saving work, I would argue. Um, and also nothing, I would argue. <laughs> it's, it's somewhere somewhere in the middle there. Um, how are we going to end this thing? We never know. <sighs> we don't. Are there any funny jokes about Rorschach and his test? Rorschach jokes. Here's one. Mm-hmm. A man goes to a psychiatrist <laughs> to start thinking. <laughs> Men. Okay, I'm going to read this and then I'm going to circle back to the top of this page and we're going to discuss. Okay. A man goes to a psychiatrist. To start mm-hmm. things off, the psychiatrist suggests that they start with a Rorschach test. This is a long joke. He holds up the first picture and asks the man what he sees. Quote, a man... And a woman making love in a park. The man replies. Sure. Normal. The psychiatrist holds up the second picture and asks the man what he sees. A man and a woman making love in a boat. Mm, I see where this is going. This is green eggs and ham. I will not do it in a park. <laughs> That's the story Dr. Seuss is afraid to tell us. I will not do it in a moat. Mm-hmm. He holds up the third picture. A man and a woman making love at the beach. This goes on for the rest of the set of pictures. The man says he sees a man and woman making love in every one of the pictures. Can I just point out that these images are symmetrical? Yes. <laughs> Tell me the rest of the joke. I'm curious. It's, I I didn't read this before I started. And uh-huh. now I have to finish it, but it's not great. Okay. Okay. At the end of the test, the psychiatrist looks over their notes and says... It looks like you have a preoccupation with sex. And the man replies, 
Well, you're the one with the dirty pictures. <laughs> this is flawed because the psychiatrist isn't supposed to hold the pictures that the subjects are. Yeah. Let's tear this joke a new asshole. Um, this is not in compliance with the way that the Rorschach <laughs> test is administered. Because <laughs> based on this episode, we're clearly the joke experts here. Yeah, we're really good at this here. Oh, mm. here's a comic. Ooh, that's going to be good for a podcast. Who is this Rorschach guy and why is he always drawing pictures of my parents fighting? <laughs> <laughs> He's no one and nothing. Please save the podcast. Um, light this bitch up. Okay. Tell a joke. I'm ready. Rorschach. More like Roar Hack. <laughs> we'll be right just back next week. <laughs> Thank you oh, for listening. Oh, crap. I have a better one. Hold on. Rorschach. More like Roar Quack. That's also very good. Thank you. Is that a show? Please. Please. Okay. All right. Yeah. Please. It's, okay. it's a show. Okay. Bye. <laughs>